hello. <laughs> That's how I say hi to Molly when I come home. Hello, Molly. Um, Molly's my dog for anybody who doesn't know. Hello. Um, welcome back. Welcome back to you and me. Again, ah, I think it's only been about two weeks since the last episode came out. But today, I'm sharing my conversation that I had with dietitian Leslie Schilling. She is an intuitive eating dietitian who works at the intersection of sports nutrition and eating disorders. But today, we are going to be focusing on diet culture and purity culture in the church, um, in the Christian church. And if you don't identify as Christian, Honestly, I mean, I was raised Catholic. I don't know what I identify with anymore. I'm very conflicted on so many different things, but um, there there will be a lot of takeaways. Um, if you do not, if you do, if you are not Christian or don't know if you're Christian anymore, like me, <laughs> um, there there are so many parallels to our culture at large, and Leslie. Um, Christian herself is truly, truly an embodiment, in my opinion, of the love and kindness of Jesus, which I do not believe uh, all churches and all Christians are. Um, You know, I've been a little nervous to, to release this episode because I have my own kind of like prejudices that I'm working through. Um, and honestly, like towards people who say that they're Christian because of my experiences, because of my assumptions, because of real toxicity in the church, which we're obviously going to be talking about, um, and, and so much. So, you know, if you feel similarly to me, uh, just try to have an open mind. Leslie is just such a lovely, wonderful person. And and I got a lot out of our conversation. Um, And I hope you do too. Okay. (laughs) Um, Before I get into the conversation, I'm going to give you a word from, I mean, saying our sponsors doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. I'm going to give you a word from our, me and my microphone's sponsors. The first sponsor of this podcast is me (laughs) because I don't make any money doing this podcast. So um, this podcast is brought to you by the fuck it diet and tired as fuck. Um, Okay, let me read you just a little blurb from a review on Amazon. You can go um, check this out yourself. This is from Ann G. I can't quite even articulate how much Caroline's books have shifted my mindset and made me take stock of my life. I only started following the fuck it diet about three weeks ago and have been reading it slowly as I do the work because it is such a monumental mindset shift. I bought this book, meaning tired as fuck, figuring I'd read it afterwards, but I started it and then couldn't stop. Caroline's candid vulnerability allowed me to see so many parallels in my own life in the way that I think only this true openness could I guess she's calling me my writing true openness I'm not sure (laughs) 
This and then jumping to the bottom. This book is funny. It is heartbreaking. It is so human. Let's stop being so hard on ourselves. I'm ready to declutter and to rest and to listen to myself. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Anne. Um, oh, and the, the, the title of this review is, do you never feel good enough and even balk at the title because rest seems so weak? This is for you. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes. So this podcast is brought to you by me and also by Summer Inanen's free body neutrality workshop. So if you don't know who Summer Inanen is, she is an awesome body image coach. And because I don't do a lot of body image work with people anymore. It's really nice to be able to point people in a direction where they can work with someone. Uh, Molly just jumped up on the couch. So this body neutrality workshop is free. It goes over what it even means to be body neutral in the first place, the number one mindset shift you need to make in order to get to body neutrality, some mistakes that are preventing you from truly embodying body neutrality, and Summer's five-part framework for radically changing the way you feel about yourself. Again, it's free. Just go to bodyneutralityworkshop.com, and I will also link in the show notes. Okay, before I share my conversation with Leslie, I just want to tell you, I share this on Instagram, but I um, this episode and the next episode both have this theme of Christianity and purity culture, and this episode with Leslie is focused on trying to, you know, change the toxicity in the church. And then my episode next week is going to be with Lindsay Lockett, who actually left fundamental Christianity, um, which, you know, in our opinion, does operate a lot like a cult um, and found healing through nervous system work and working through trauma. Um, So it's a one-two punch. Next week's episode is very much, um, you know, a sister episode to this episode. Or I don't know if it's going to be next week, but it's not going to be next week because I'm going on a vacation. (laughs) It'll be in two weeks, okay? Um, But next episode is going to be um, kind of looking at this from a different angle as well. Okay, I'm going to play you this episode, but know that I kind of jump into, you know, I'd started recording, but we didn't know that we were officially starting our quote-unquote conversation that was going to be on the podcast so I'm kind of like jumping into something that Leslie was saying to me but I started there because what she was saying was so um, good that I was like okay let's just start here we're talking so just warning you um you know uh, just one little comment yesterday there was a dietitian that I know that I I try to do like Sunday thoughts like real specific diet culture in the church stuff on Sundays and I posted something <laughs> she responded to me in my DMs. She's like, where is all this diet culture you speak of in the church? I've never seen it. And I, and I just explained to her that, you know, wow, it, it's, it's everywhere. Every single one of my clients. And so I was like, how fortunate are you? I love that. And so she was asking more about it and she was like, wow, that's awful. So it's, to me, it seems really evident that it's in the safe places, but I guess it's not to everybody. So I guess. Yeah. I mean, we can just sort of go into it. Like we can just sort of have this conversation start now. And like, cause I was, I was thinking, you know, my only, I, so I grew up Catholic and I wasn't like super, I guess, I don't know. Like I didn't have like a super 
close like church community that I was involved with per se. So maybe it would have been different, but I, so I didn't really experience diet culture in a church formally, but I definitely like personally, I, I really like, I prayed all of the time to eat less and to be less of a glutton and to like, I mean, I really like, that was one of the ways that I, or one of my, one of my avenues for trying to like diet well was definitely through some sort of like bastardized religion or, and prayer. Um, And then the way down, do you, have we talked about the way down? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I moved to Tennessee in 2001 and the way down book came out, I guess, like the next year. So it was popular, like right when I was, um, and I worked at the university of Memphis in, in nutrition, sports, nutrition research. And, you know, Gwen had been through the university of Memphis for her training and such. And so I was, you know, learned a lot about what was going on with that right when I moved. So it was, um, it's very interesting. And I was a newbie dietitian. So I was like, Ooh, of course, course. tie this together. So for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, though, I highly recommend the documentary, The Way Down, W-A-Y. And what is it on? Is it on Hulu? Do you remember? It's it's on HBO Max. Oh, HBO Max. But it's based on this woman's book and cult. (laughs) The book is called The Way Down, Mm W-E-I-G-H. The Way Down Diet, I think it was called. And I read that book when I was like 15. And I, and I tried it and I failed, (laughs) you know, I really, it was like so exciting in the beginning because I had been on like these low carb diets. And this was like, I remember the rules were like, you can eat whatever you want, but you have to put it all on one plate before the meal. Uh You only eat three meals a day and you like have to pray really hard before and during the meal to like, like I it just, you know, I was starving. So eventually it just backfired. Um, yeah. but it was so watching that documentary was just so that was, did you watch it? I, oh yes. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so let's backtrack yeah. actually. Sorry. We, let, I will, <laughs> how about you, uh, introduce yourself for the people who are listening and let them know what you do and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm Leslie Schilling. And so I grew up in North Carolina. So the draw is North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went to school to be um, like medical technology, um, CSI before it was cool. And then learned I had to take botany one year, one year and decided, you know, I don't really want to do that. And my advisor was like, why don't you try nutrition? I'm like, I didn't know people could even do that. And, you know, I grew up um, a very, very active kid. I was a competitive gymnast, um, which is a whole other story. And um, was a track athlete and did all the things. So I just kind of fell right into nutrition. And I went to Appalachian state in North Carolina for my undergrad and, and master's and they had a really great exercise science program. So I kind of did exercise science and 
nutrition. And long story short, I end up in Memphis. My husband's there working on his schooling. Um, I end up in Memphis and get a job in sports nutrition research. And right away start seeing athletes. And, um, and then I have a mom from the church that I went to at the time, Mm. just beg me to see her daughter. I was like, I don't do, I don't do eating disorders. I was so naive. Like I only do sports nutrition. Um, just super, super naive, not realizing that if you do sports nutrition, or if you're like a dietitian in this world, you absolutely see eating disorders. Right. Um, and, and so crash course, I got really, really lucky to have these therapists take me under their, their wings who were already like intuitive eating based therapists who treated eating disorders. And I like to say I was brought up by these lovely, lovely therapists who, um, trained me to be an eating disorder dietitian while I always, you know, I still had my love for sport and just, and then naturally kind of fell into this anti-diet, um, health at every size place. Um, I'm just so fortunate to have fallen into it more early in my career, but, you know, I look back and think of like, wow, I was so typically, weight centrically trained. And, you know, I had to really undo that and sit in that place of cognitive dissonance for a couple of years, really to get anti-diet place. Um, and you know, had a practice in Memphis, um, sold that moved to Vegas, lived Vegas now and have a small practice, do a lot of um, supervision for dietitians at the intersection of kind of eating disorders and sport. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a Christian living this life and seeing so diet culture in all the safe places. That's one of the things I like to talk about. And one of the safest places you would, you know, you think is the church. And when, as I gravitated towards this non-diet approach, it, it kind of aligned with like how we're made and grace. And I was just the messages were so incongruent. I don't think I saw it that much growing up other than I went to, I could get away with not going to church by saying, I don't have anything to wear. So there's that <laughs> right. aesthetic piece. I knew how to play that card. Right, right, um, right. But, um, but then I started, you know, hearing pastors, you know, like demonize food or make fun of larger bodies. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this, there is something really wrong here. And, and now, you know, I'm spending a lot of my time just um, trying to help people see diet culture in the safe places. Wow. I love that. And that's so, you know, I actually feel like I've, I've heard a similar story about finding an anti-diet approach, you know, early-ish on in, in someone's career, you know, as a dietitian, sort of just by luck, like, oh, I just lucked out. And, and, you know, this supervisor I had, or this teacher that I had, or this experience that I had, like really opened up my eyes. Um, And because, I mean, I've heard so many times that it's just for the most part, except for very, very rare, rare circumstances with very specific teachers early on, going to school to become a dietitian is an extremely weight-centric and generally fat-phobic experience, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And, you know, gosh, I look back and I think about all the things I've learned um, that helped me, I think, be the practitioner that I am today. And it was not 
for the most part, what I learned in school. It's right. learned from other professionals and trainings after it was the unlearn that I think led me to really caring for people in a very different way. Right, right. So let's talk about diet culture in the church. What are the what are some of the ways that you see it manifesting? One of the most um, common ways, and, and, and we can we can jump on this because you you mentioned it earlier. I think we 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 view the Bible through and verses through our current cultural lens, right. which is important in some cases. But when we say the body is the temple, therefore you must eat all organic foods, or and, and that's great if you can, but if you can't afford it, it's not. Or you must do this this diet plan, or you must detox this. It's it's just so out of context. And I think that's what we see. I see most often is this like misguided connection to health, purity, and love. And that has so incongruent with grace, which means you don't need to do anything. God cares more about your heart than your weight or your pant size or any of that. <laughs> right. And, and that, that bringing up that idea of purity, that that's so true. And it's almost just like a more, maybe a more intense version of what we're doing in our culture at large, you know, secularly is this belief that you are, that we, even if the, the, this is, I don't think this is a very conscious belief for most people, but it's definitely a subconscious belief that you are a good, responsible person. If you look a certain way, if your body is smaller, if you eat a certain way and you are not, you are unruly, you're irresponsible, you are maybe morally bad or yeah. astray if you are not thin. And I think what you just said, it, it makes a lot of sense that because of, because that's in our culture, what you just said in the context of church and religion and God, it's, and, and, you know, specific, specific religion, I'm guessing that certain religions kind of lean into it a little bit more than others, but that it kind of, it's the same thing, but it takes on this whole new level of like, okay, and now you are, you know, out of favor with God or you're, you know, a bad, very bad person. And that makes sense that it's like, it's, it's a parallel to our culture, but it's just even more intense and maybe scary. And, um, this other level of, of stress and, um, and fear, I guess, fear, fear of the body, I feel like is another thing that is probably big in the church. Oh yeah. And, you know, I, I gave a talk one time to a women's group at a church and it was really about this. It's like our identity is not our bodies and our food and all that. It's, it's, it's very, very different. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about. It's, we, we wrap it up um, and being the good enoughness, which it, it's grace. Like we accept it or we don't. And it's, free. You don't have to do anything in exchange for that. And it's making me think of like the questions I get all the time from clients. And you mentioned this too, is like feeling like you're a glutton. So I'm an eating disorder specialist and supervisor. And, you know, I worked in this field for a long time. And I can tell you when people find out that like, I'm a Christian dietitian and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm 
when people open the door, I, I gladly step through, but that, that's kind of how I do it. I'm like a kind of a, you know, a seed, you know, plant seed approach there with people who open the door. And I've had so many clients just come in and they're, and they're being like, I am so smart. I've done, I've done, I own a business. I'm like a, a successful this, that, and the other, but I'm a glutton. It's the only thing I can't overcome. And I can tell you in my 20 years of practice, I have never seen that to be true. Right. Never. I have seen someone sit across from me and just like open up about like, this is the, this is the stronghold. This is the thing that's keeping me from moving forward in my life and my body is because I have this belief that I'm a glutton. I'm like, God gave us the taste buds for a reason, gave us a pleasure for a reason. And the, and when we look at what has happened and like, I think you've been tied up in diet culture, which is very incongruent with love and care for your body. And I think what's happening is you've learned to be resilient in a culture that tells you not to love and care and nourish your body. And I don't think you're a glutton. I think you are resilient. And the, the light bulbs go off because we have just another we've taken out of context right is like you're 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 not like if you're not protecting the temple you're a glutton i'm like how much more can we let diet culture take this all out of context (laughs) right right yeah it's so it's just so interesting because i feel like like let's to go back to gwen shamblin's cult essentially and Uh her diet uh program which was sort of was completely 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 bastardizing Christianity and God. Um, and she literally like, you know, like so many cult leaders, she was God, you know, she was Uh the one to be worshiped. And I actually think that you can probably see this dynamic even more strongly in cults, you know, that are, of course, religions can become culty depending on who the leader is and depending on so many things, but you can really see how often in cults there is this focus on looks and uh-huh. and purity and obedience and um, and in the in the case of I forget what her church was called do you remember it was called like the, the yeah, I can remnant or something <laughs> oh remnant remnant, remnant. okay yeah, um, yeah and she. And so, so, I mean, so much, I would say like the core, the core premise of her religion was that you are, you can tell how holy or good someone is or how close to God they are, or how in favor with God they are by how thin they are. Yeah. And it's so culturally, like it's actually what we believe in our current Western culture subconsciously. So people believe it was so easy for people to believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And tied up with health and you have the physicians that are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then with the BMI, of course you're right. Lower would be holier. It was, it's all ridiculous. And the one thing, uh, one thing, there are so many things that are wrong there, but (laughs) one thing that really bothers me is, you know, the talk of intuitive eating. About, and like tied to oh with way. with her 
Yeah. 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 Oh my God. And, I know. I know. I know. You know, I bet Evelyn and Elise are like, ah, but, um, but the thing is like, some people are t- like tired, like it taught me to eat this way. But when you tie feeding your body to thinness, I mean, that breaks all the chains of it's we're, we're not even talking about intuitive eating. It's just so incongruent. Um, it's so incongruent. And yet I think yeah, it's I think the, it's the strong, it's the first and the, Oh, sorry. I'm hearing an echo. Do you have headphones by any chance? I, I have them on. Oh, you do? Oh my yeah. gosh. I, <laughs> I wonder do, you want me to, do you want me to take them off? No, I think it would probably be worse with them. I think it's gone away. It's gone away. I was just hearing myself in an echo and okay, it's all gone. It's all better. Um, sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. What was I guess saying about, um, darn, do you remember? What I'm, 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 I'm dialing back. Let me think. Uh, when we're both so tired, how can we, Oh my God. I know I woke up at five 30 this morning. Why? Um, well, daylight savings ending, but, um, darn it, darn it. I'll just keep this in because otherwise wherever we pick up, people won't understand. Why. <laughs> well, we're um, tired. This is a good plug. <laughs> I know exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Anyway, purity, we'll find it. We'll find it. Gwen, uh, damn, I don't know. Who knows? We'll find it again. Well, we were talking about kind of intuitive eating. And oh, 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 that's what it was. I think, okay. That's exactly what it was. In my experience, a, a very bastardized version of intuitive eating that, that is really just a diet, like a hunger fullness diet is usually when you say to someone who doesn't really know what intuitive eating is, when you say, Oh, I'm an intuitive eater. The assumption is that you eat this like perfect, perfect, mm-hmm. extremely like constantly tuned in, never, ever eating like a half a bite over what your hunger is. And that that's what intuitive eating is. And so it's so easy for people to misinterpret it the way that they did and the way that, you know, Gwen did, but the way that all of her followers did with, um, with intuitive eating and thinking that it's about becoming as tiny as you possibly can, because that is what we all assume intuitive eating is because we're all assuming it has to be some diet, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're programmed to think it has to be perfect. And I think in some, you know, Christian circles, like you, you see that where it's like, it has to, it, it's, that's the purity culture piece of this. I think, you know, it has to be perfect. You have to eat a certain way. Um, it's just so, so dangerous. And it reminds me, like, when we think about the intuitive eating piece, they're talking about that, um, in the way down, it makes me think of, of what Noom is doing with it now. It's, oh so disgustingly like not the same thing it's so frustrating it's so <laughs> frustrating it's so annoying oh and it's just it's just creating more confusion right it's just creating more people who are believing that they are on this anti-diet path or this intuitive eating path but have been taught that intuitive eating or anti-diet is eating 12 hundred calories a day and like logging everything you eat. It just doesn't make any sense. But yet this is like now this confusion that's being perpetuated. Yeah. And, and then we're, we're seeing, 
we see like really prominent ministry leaders, you know, writing books about just pray over whatever diet you want to do and you'll have God's favor. And that is really harmful. I mean, people, I say this all the time, like means well, causes harm. I mean, right, right. still causes harm. And so I, I, we see that a lot and we'll see like challenges at churches and then, you know, pastors using some of these verses out of context in terms of like healthism and diet culture and really having no idea the, the information or the, the actual research on like, what is health and, and to, and to have no knowledge of social determinants of health and where one of, you know, or mortality risk where connection is like one of the primary positives, Um, you know, and, and we're just taking that away from, we're not even, we're not even focusing on connection. We're too busy, like saying, maybe I won't have a body that looks like this in heaven. And that happened while I was sitting in a congregation and my husband looked at me like, please don't hurt anybody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, but like we, we, it's just so nonchalant people making comments about calories and all the things we do not see diet culture in the safe places. And that is what we really have to help people see. Right. So where, so you, you sort of spoke to this, you said that it, you know, it's sort of just by osmosis, it's, it's, coming into the church from our culture at large. But what's interesting is so many people, you know, when they talk about diet culture, they talk about how it seems to have come from, you know, way back the church, that it seems to have come from, you know, a very Puritan. Mm -hmm. And if you look at like, what's his name? Graham and Kellogg and oh, yes. like yes. super and they're nasty cereal, they're nasty cereal. <laughs> and they're, they're like body fearing and delicious food fearing. Like I, I remember when I was doing research for the fuck it diet, I was, it literally said, and I forget if it was Graham or Kellogg, but it was literally, and they were like, one of them was a disciple of the other basically, but mm-hmm. it literally said the quote was that delicious food leads to sin. Like just, if it's delicious, it's bad. It's, it's bad for you. It's bad for your relationship with God. And it it makes you impure. And I was like, geez, that is like, yeah. It's back to purity culture. Yes. Which is incongruent with the message of grace. We got to pick one or the other people pick one or the other. And the Bible is on the, um, on the side of grace. Um, (laughs) so I do, I think it's purity culture. And that makes me think about the body as the temple actual verse. I was reading that the other day, because I'm always reading it to like, check, like, I don't want to be the person who takes something out of context. Cause I accuse a lot of people of doing that. Right. right. But so if you read the whole, um, that whole verse in context, it really talks about sex. It's not talking about food, Mm -hmm. but your point with Graham and Kellogg, I can see how it transitioned into that. Right. Because any pleasure leads to maybe more pleasurable acts that they didn't want people to engage in. Um, So, so it's, and you know, I, we are, we grow up, like I grew up in the South and um, in North Carolina, little town, little church. It was really nice. It was a nice little church. Um, Great friends. 
but you learn things and you learn not to question things. Mm. So interested in Bible translations and how did we get where we are? And how do some of these verses actually line up with our culture today? Like the subjugation of women and this diet mess and the words health. How did we end up here? And a lot of it is because some of these translations, you know, have been translations using cultural context instead of maybe the actual words. So fascinating. So I grew up thinking, do not question. And now right. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> my head is exploding because I'm, I'm learning that like, wow, translations really make a difference. And if, if you believe some of the, the gender stuff in, in, the, in some of the translations, it, you know, so you have to have a body that looks a certain way because that is your duty as a female. Like that is not, I believe with all my heart, Jesus didn't, didn't think that. Right. So. <laughs> that's fit. No, that's really, really, really interesting. And again, it's sort of, you know, I've thought for a very long time, like, you know, the, the core message of religions is love and very, all very similar actually. And it is humans (laughs) that tend to mess it up and make it into something, um, sometimes cruel and, and, um, and really, you know, all the, these very bad experiences that people have had in religions Mm -hmm. and in the church, have been because of humans, you know, misinterpreting or abusing their position or their power. Um, And that's so interesting to point out that the translations are also humans potentially misinterpreting or slightly changing what the meaning was. Their bias of like, I, you know, I wanted to stay this way. They're, they're (laughs) like, even within the Christian church, Um, As you know, there are lots of different denominations, but there are also different groups that believe like this, these core verses that have a lot to do with like male headship um, or taken out of context. um, And then there are other people who believe like, like we are literally created equal in God's image. And if you're literally created equal in God's image, no one person is over another person. There's no hierarchy. Right, right, right. And so, but diet culture plays into this. Purity culture plays into this. It's like this just big, ugly blob of (laughs) cultural woes that are, you know, that now we have to question. We have to say, wait a minute. And I think you're right. Like love is the foundation, but the litmus test is grace. Mm. If you have to do anything for it, it's, it's not from God. Hmm. I love that. You know, what's so interesting is there, <laughs> there was, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it might've been like seven years ago at this point that I, I was saying to my friend who was like, she was raised very, very religious and she was questioning and she was kind of going through, she was going back and forth and kind of you know, she was, she was going through it. And, and I think it was healthy because again, it was her questioning things and trying to figure out how things landed with her. But I remember having a conversation with her where I said, I said, I don't understand what grace means. Like, I don't get it. I don't get what it means. I don't understand. I don't understand. And I still kind of don't, 
<laughs> and so you saying this, like I, and it's very weird because I very specifically was saying that and like thinking about it and saying how much I didn't understand what it was supposed to mean. And, and so I, I don't know, I just think it's really interesting that you're, you keep coming back to that word because for some reason, I just like, don't, <laughs> I like, there's something inside of me that wants to understand. And I just don't, or I just like, don't understand the, um, the way that people use it and what people mean. So I love that you're using it <laughs> and it's maybe it's- I use it in a way that, you know, like my understanding of it. And I feel like a really lucky Christian because I'm not a person who grew up in like fire and brimstone and thought that I had to earn my place and earn my worthiness. I am so, so fortunate that that has not been my experience. Mm-hmm. And grace to me means there is nothing you can do to remove God's love from you. There is nothing you could do. You you can't eat (laughs) food. You can't, you know, weigh this or that. There's, it it is, it is, it's a gift that you accept. And our, I think our world, our, our culture, our diet culture, our objectifying culture makes that such a hard concept that Mm -hmm. you need to do nothing. You are enough. You are saved. You are loved. You are worthy, even if you mess up. And our, our, you know, a lot of our messages don't reflect that. Right. So yeah, we need to try to do our best in the world and, and, and show love to people and kindness to people in, even when we don't agree with them, Uh, you know, know, love your neighbor, like even if you disagree. Um, So, but it's, it's really, we can't do anything to separate it and it's a gift. And that's the thing, like we are fearfully and wonderfully made and grace is the gift that says, and you don't have to do anything to make that true. It's already true. That is so, first of all, so beautiful. And, and you're very, very right that our culture is the opposite of that. It is, oh, yeah. it is for the most part, we're all raised to believe that we need to prove our worthiness. We need to prove we are good and lovable and responsible. And that is such a big part of diet culture, such a big part. Yeah. Yeah. Like be a good kid, eat your vegetables like that. One of these things has nothing to do with the other. Right, 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 right. Oh, that's very, 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 very interesting. Um, That sort of put it in a, like that made me understand it in a new way on a new level, honestly, the way that you just put it. Well, well, good. Okay. <laughs> I, I understand I, grace now. Thank you. <laughs> it's just a gift. You don't have to do anything for it. Good enough. At, you're good enough how you are. And you know, I believe body diversity is divine. And, you know, so, and, and that's, it's hard to accept the grace piece of that, which is you're exactly how you should be in this world when our world says, but wait. And then when our world says, but wait, and here's a verse that says you have to work harder, it's, it's really incongruent. And I think we need leaders in ministry to say, wait, we got to stop this. There's there's, 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 there's diet culture is sitting in our pews and when we cannot have it here anymore. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I mean, that's what we need. That really, really is. And I love (laughs) that you've taken up this. I don't want I don't know if we should call it a fight, but this cause it feels like it. it feels yeah, like I'm it. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because it really is just so like, I'm sure that people are like, what, what are you talking about? If, you know, yeah. especially if they're sitting, if they are steeped in diet culture and have no awareness around it, it's going to be well, really hard we- to explain, but it, but I, it is kind of a way in, I imagine to, to talk about grace, the way you just talked about it and remind people that it doesn't really add up. It's not, yeah. it, it really, oh, you know, do you, I have no idea if we've talked about this before. You don't watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Do <laughs> I do not, I do you not. Don't. So, I know a little you know, about it, but I don't in, watch it. <laughs> you know, they're in Salt Lake City. So a lot of them are ex-Mormons. Mm-hmm. I think there's one practicing Mormon and she converted to Mormonism. And they talk about how part of their religion is perfection. is uh uh seeking perfection in all areas including the way you look um and it is so clear i mean just so 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 clear how incredibly toxic that is and how miserable it makes people and how you know it's manifesting in all of these really terrible ways and honestly creating i mean the one girl who 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 converted to Mormonism. And the reason she loves Mormonism is because she likes to strive to be perfect in all mm-hmm. ways. Like she's a mess. She's a total yeah. mess. She's a total emotional mess and doesn't yeah. even realize it. And oh, that oh, no. is like a huge part of it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, when, and if you've got people who grew up, you know, in, 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 in my, you know, practice as in like an eating disorder, nutrition therapist, some of the sickest people I've worked with are ones who have had these seeds planted of body and consumption perfection very, very early in their lives. And we are just pulling weed after weed and false belief and false belief. And they're realizing how much their religion has played a role in their eating disorder. And, and, and that's true. And I've worked with, I've lived in Vegas now there, you know, I've, I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of um, um, Christian, like evangelical Christian folks in the South. And I have, uh, you know, more of a, a mix of religions here. And I've worked with a lot of Jewish clients and Mormon clients and Christian clients. And some of the ones that are just need more support are the ones that we have to sit down and talk about how did you grow up around food and did you learn uh, you know about how you cared for your body was tied to your worthiness in your church and like I said when somebody opens the door I take the path in because it is something that has to be challenged um, for someone to move towards a place of recovery and it it's very, very hard when somebody's told, like, if you eat X, you won't go to heaven. If you, oh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I mean, my heart breaks for all of these seeds of body distrust that are planted without our consent, particularly when it's in a place that you should trust and feel safe and 
So we do a lot of pulling weeds and the same one comes up again and we're pulling it up. Like, remember yeah. that, believe that, that is not true. That is not true. <laughs> yeah, that is so, that must be so, so, so difficult because it's this really, you know, that is like a level of indoctrination, especially yeah. young. And this it would stay this, this fear that would be really hard to unlearn. That would really take, really, really take time and awareness and effort to untangle from that. Absolutely. And then that's, you know, I tell people and they get just so pissed off. Like, what am I feeling? And we're always working with therapists as well. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, I want you to move away from being angry with yourself to just some, this is where I like to say, this is, you have every right to have a whole lot of righteous anger here. Right. (laughs) This was not, this is not okay. And I like put my hand on my heart and I look at my clients and all the time I'm like, I am so sorry that this is what somebody led you to believe. And it is wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Apologize for people a lot, even health professionals. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's such like, I really just love that you're doing this work and making this connection and like what a gift you are to your clients. Well, thank you. Thank you. And back at you. I mean, <laughs> I recommend your book and, and, and I tell people, I'm like, you know, and I, people were like, you know, it's the fucking diet. I'm like, that's okay. You know what? Jesus can handle all the words. <laughs> fine. Well, this is a funny thing. Like I, <laughs> I was very, um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the artist way, but it talks about creativity as a spiritual force. And yeah. I swear that the fuck it diet, <laughs> even the name, even the name came through as this like really clear. And I, you know, I, I don't know what religion I would call myself right now, but I am very spiritual and I was raised Christian. And I, you know, I definitely, I believe, and I believe that I am guided often. And I have said like, look, I know it's crazy, but I really think the fuck it diet, even the name was like literally a gift from God. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm just going with it, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny because we like us and our perfectionism and be perfect and don't say the bad words and all the things, you know, we make things not okay but Jesus can handle, I mean, God's like, you people are really worrying about things you shouldn't like somebody, somebody dropped the F-bomb. I know (laughs) we made up the word. We made it bad. And now we're making it. Okay. It's all just, it's all just, we, we made it up. Yeah. Like, well, on my, one of my early websites for my practice, I think I just said like food shouldn't be complicated. That was it. Like we have really overcomplicated so oh, many yeah. with uh, the rules of our world and like just diet culture in general. And it's just not, I mean, there are things that are very complicated, but when it, in terms of taking care of yourself and nourishing yourself, we need food. We need a lot of it and it is okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't need, it does not need to be complicated. You're so, no. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> on my first website it said, or I guess it's my the subtitle of my book too, is eating should be easy. <laughs> yes, and it's and it's so clear and perfect. Yeah, it should be easy. And that's like our, our first book, um, Born to Eat, was like, we're literally born to eat. Like Yes. <laughs> so literally born to eat. And why are we making it 
so hard. And we aren't. Diet culture does. Yes. It, it makes a lot of money from making it hard. Oh, it does. Okay. Well, this is a perfect, well, perfect time to, first of all, thank you for this. This has been amazing. And I'm so excited well, for people you. to hear it and to listen to it. And now is the time to plug all of your stuff, including your book, <laughs> Born to Eat, and, and let people know where they can find you on the internet. Well, cool. Well, thank you. Um, so Leslie Schilling is my website and, um, I'm, I hang out mostly on Insta, which is at Leslie Schilling and yeah, my previous book, we're working on second edition now of, of born to eat is, um, a baby led weaning approach, really an intuitive eating approach for the whole family, kind of that control alt delete from diet culture. When someone is feeding a child, we're hoping to make it much, much better in the second edition, which will be out in the next year or so. And, um, yeah, and I'm working on a book about diet culture in safe places, and I can't wait to tell people about that. And I'll talk more about that on my Insta as I have more information. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And I, I actually had no idea that ba- that born to eat was about baby led weaning. I just learned about that because my really good friend is doing baby led weaning. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, this is literally intuitive eating, but for babies, this is so cool. Totally. Cause we're born to eat. That, yes. was, that was my, <laughs> that was my blog like a, a decade ago. And I was like, it just morphed into that. And now I'm still kind of morphing into like the diet culture in the safe places, but yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah. This seems like the real natural way to just support intuitive eating. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so, so much. This is so great. So there we have it. You can find links to find Leslie in the show notes. Um, and then one last thing is if you're, <laughs> if you have not read tired as fuck yet, and you're curious about, uh, my crazy relationship with dieting and with, um, my religion and with like praying for, to be less of a glutton and to be beautiful and smaller. I write all about that in tired as fuck, as well as me going on the way down diet, that, that cult Christian cult that we talk about, that we just talked about in our conversation. Um, you can find links to everything you need in the show notes of this episode. And I will be back probably in two weeks, possibly three weeks, depending on how behind I get from going away. I'm visiting my friend, um, in LA and I'm visiting my sister in San Diego. So I'm going to be away from a week for a week. Um, and Molly's going to be watched by her best friend, Sam, um, but yeah, I will be back with that episode with Lindsay Lockett all about religious trauma. I mean, her story is unbelievable how she and her husband left the church. Like really, I was riveted. And I actually thought we were going to talk even more about uh, the trauma healing part. But like when we got, I mean, we did, we definitely did. But um, by the time we got there, she'd been telling this like epic story for an hour. And I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I want to watch the movie of this. So definitely stay tuned. Well, not stay tuned. You know what I just realized? (laughs) Actually, as I was falling asleep last night, I was like, whoa, stay tuned means stay tuned to this channel on your old fashioned little TV that had to be tuned to channels. Isn't that crazy? So don't literally stay tuned, obviously, but um, figuratively stay tuned and I'll be back with more 
with more fun in two or three weeks. Bye.